I'm going to start a, a series this morning. It's going to contain four messages. Today is the first of the message. And we're going to be celebrating, for those of you who do not know, at the end of this year, we'll be celebrating 30 years of ministry, our 30th anniversary of Church of the Living Word. Now, church started actually in January the 1st, 1984. But uh, for some of you who may not know, we, we, we actually began a little bit earlier, you know, as a, as a house group and meeting and so on and so forth. So I want to encourage you, if you can be here for the next four Sundays, if at all possible, be here. Because if I was visiting a church like this or I was here and didn't quite understand the vision, I would make extra effort to listen and hear what is being said because what we're going to tell you is why we exist. We're going to define the vision of this house and we're going to tell you what we're all about. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going to put my roots down somewhere or wanted to be a part of a local church, I believe I would uh, take heed or listen to what's being said because a lot of people think all churches are the same or, you know, just doesn't really matter. Just go wherever God, uh, whether God directed me or not, I just go. But no, it needs to be more than that. And so today I'll, 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 I just encourage you to listen because I believe this is birthed out of my heart as the pastor here, the founding pastors here. We've got others that minister here. But uh, birthed out of my heart to share with you the vision. And I've simplified the vision. And uh, I want you to understand that the vision needs to be imparted into your heart and into your life. Before I get started, I want to share a little story I thought was funny and interesting. You might have heard bits or parts of it. Uh, someone sent me, it's called Go to Church William. And uh, one Sunday morning, William's uh, mother came into her son's room and said, William, wake up. It's time to get up and go to church. And from under the covers came a mumble. He said, I don't want to go. What do you mean? That's silly. Get up, said his mother. Get dressed and go to church. No, he shouted back. I have two reasons why I'm not going. First, they don't like me down there. And second, I don't like them. She said, nonsense. I'm going to give you two reasons, William, why you need to go. Number one, you're 42 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many, how many know that would not be a good situation for your pastor to be in? <laughs> so uh, we've tried here at Church of the Living Word, we use the acronym C-O-T-O-W, but we've tried here over these years to create just what you experienced this morning. We're evolving as a church and as a ministry. We have a mission. We have a purpose. Our desire is when we come through these doors that we experience God. That not only do we feel God because it's easy to get emotional about something, but how many know emotions can be fickle? 
And so it has to be more than a emotion. It has to be the presence of God where we know that God is really God and besides him, there's no other. So I'm going to share some things today. I believe that, and I, and I said a little something about this Wednesday, that uh, I, one of the keys to keeping our country, our nation, I mean, would agree our nation, I don't want to confess bad things, or, but it's in a pretty good mess today politically and spiritually. And, you know, every generation has to be resold, if I can use that word. When I talk about resold, I'm talking about we're coming up now on two generations of people that have grown up under the baby, baby boomer age that are unchurched. People that don't attend church of all, I mean, no, oh, there is a lot of people in Hidalgo County now in this mid valley. I think, you know, there's over uh, 350,000 people just here in the mid valley. And so we haven't even begun to scratch the surface when it comes to reaching the unchurched. And so I, I'm going to tell you today, and I'm going to, I think it's important what we say. Uh, we don't come in here like we don't know what we're doing. We do know what we're doing. Sometimes we have to make adjustments. Sometimes things get a little, you know, uh, a little bit out of whack and we have to come back and, and, and make some adjustments just like everybody has to do in their life. But we come in here with a plan. We come in here with a purpose. I don't just get up here and say, uh, uh, open your Bibles today and, and let me think about what I want to tell you. No, I've spent time with God. When I come up here, it's because I believe with my heart I have something to say to you that will change your life is the confession that we just made. We have to get the Word of God, an intake of the Word of God into our spirit man so that our spirit man can grow in the things of the Lord. I'm going to ask them, and we'll be celebrating 30 years. I know I'm getting a little uh, before that, but there's, there's a reason I'm doing that. Uh, when we started the church 30 years ago, uh, we were pretty young, very young, uh, like early 30s. I was 33. She was 32. Our children were very young. And so there's been a lot of water that has gone under the bridge in these 30 years, but we're still here and we're still representing the vision. But God had me, if you would just throw up Proverbs 29, 18, I want to talk to you about the vision of the church. And if you, you can make notes and, and, and jot some of these things down, I believe they will help you to understand. I'm, I'm going to make it real simple today. Okay. Um, but the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. In the book of Habakkuk, if you just put that one, I'm just showing you the scriptures right quick. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2 and 3 talks about writing the vision down, making it plain on tablets those, so those who run with it uh, and reads it. It says the vision is not for a point or is for yet for a point of time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So I took a look at our vision statement and I 
I begin to let the Lord show me how to simplify so that I can communicate that vision so it'll be something that you will have inside of you. And really it boils down to three words. Three words of go, grow, and give. Go to reach people to God. To reach unchurched people for God. To grow in our relationship with God. You're never going to do great things for God unless you grow up in God. Come on, okay? And then the give part, we give to glorify God. Now let me begin and let me start because we do have a mission and we need to understand because if we don't develop the vision for what we're doing, you need a vision for your own life. You need a vision for your personal life and family. But we also need a vision as a church. We read the scripture, we will perish, we'll cast off restraint, we'll get our priorities out of whack, we'll be inconsistent, and all the other things that people do, they'll fall through the gener you know what? You know why they call it a generation gap, don't you? Do you know why they call it a generation gap? Because there's a gap that's created between one generation and the next. And if you fall into that gap, you need to have a bridge to get to the next level. And what has happened, we have a lot of people in this present generation that have fallen through the gap. And so our job and our mission as a church is to bridge that gap, to develop, if you will, the next generation so that they don't fall away or turn away from the one true God that we serve today. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay? So our mission is tied to our vision. It's to reach the unchurched and to grow the church up into God. How many know that God wants us to reach unchurched people? No, how many of you know that it's part of God's command to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, it's, it's not just a missionary's job. In fact, it's the church. As I said, there's people all over where we live, where we work, where we play, where we uh, uh, associate around this area. We know that there's multitudes and multitudes of people that do not even go to church on Sundays, much less have God in their personal repertoire of being the God of their life or the Savior of their soul. So the purpose is tied to that go part of the vision, okay? You have to, and let me just say this before I move on here, you have to, you have to catch fish before you can clean a fish. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. You have to catch a fish before you can clean a fish. Now, in most churches, let me just tell you why they have become ineffective. Ineffective in getting people to commit their lives to the Lord and commit their lives to a local church because the local church has been more like, well, you've got to do it like I do. You've got to dress like I do. You've got to look like I do, and you've got to do like I do. Now, how many know that is not very enticing to get somebody to stay in a local church? It's not about what I do. It's about what God has done. 
when I say you cannot take uh, and clean a fish before you catch him, what I'm saying to you is quit trying. My job is not to clean up you or the people that come in this church on Sunday or Wednesday. That is the Lord's job. I said, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. We want people to come in here messed up. We want people to come in here that are imperfect. We want people that come in here that don't smell like we smell. That does not intimidate me for somebody to walk in here and smell like cigarette smoke. Does it intimidate you? It doesn't intimidate me when I see the devil have people in bondage or bound up. In fact, I encourage those people to come and be a part of this church because I believe the Holy Spirit can break every chain that has people bound. But we have to develop a culture and an attitude where we love not only God, but we love one another. We can't look down upon people because they don't look like us or they don't dress like us. When you start going out and reaching unchurched people, just think about it. Unchurched people are not used to being in church. They don't know how to conduct themselves in church. That's okay with me. Is it okay with you? Because our job is to live it before them. Our job is not to condemn them. We don't condemn or we don't judge. We're not to be judgmental, but we're to love people. When we love people, it will be conducive and create an atmosphere where they want to come because now they'll feel comfortable in the place where God has brought them and let God begin to deal with them. You know that, that it don't just happen by accident. It has to happen by the Spirit of God. Okay, are you with me? All right, so let me tell you why the church is, is not as effective as it needs to be. The reason is, is we have to develop this goal mentality that it's not just about what we do, but it's what we do in God so that people can see God in our lives. Do you have something today that people can look at that would provoke them, if you will, cause them to be jealous, like the Bible says, provoke them to jealousy because of the way you live, the way you handle things, the way you go through problems, the way you face issues in life? Does your fellow worker, does your co-worker, does your classmates, does other people, your family, do they see you succumb to the pressure? Do they see you fall apart? Do they see you go haywire? Or do they see you steady like a rock, getting stronger and stronger and stronger and let the enemy, when he comes, you raise up a standard which is the Word of God, and you can get through any storm. Come on, you can get through any storm in life as long as Jesus is in your boat. All right, so I think it's vital to our vision. We are after people who are in a mess. That's part of our vision. We're after people who are addicted uh, to drugs or alcohol or in immoral situations. That does not intimidate me and it shouldn't intimidate anybody in this room. In fact, we welcome those kind of people. But what I'm saying to you is if you become judgmental and become person that 
gossips and criticizes and say, oh, look at so-and-so. Look at the way they're dressed. Look at the way they handle their children. When you say those kind of things, you begin to present a whole nother perspective of what we stand for in this vision. We're after unchurched people. We're after people who are imperfect. All of us qualified at one point. When you become judgmental, when you become critical, listen, you are sending a signal that they are not like you and they're not welcome here because they are not like you. We want people that are not like us. Amen? We want people that want to find the true living God, have a relationship with God. Now, this is part of the vision. I'm sharing this. This is part of this vision simplified, the goal part of reaching people who are not churched or who do not have a relationship with the living God. Are you with me? People who come into a church need a place where it's not judgmental. Getting the amens pretty weak. But I am tired of people judging Christians, judging one another, criticizing one another, backbiting one another, gossiping about one another. Listen, what I found, now listen to me just real close. This may sound harsh. What I found, those that criticize the most, those that are most critical about other people, those that are pointing out the lifestyle or the sin in other people are the ones that have the log in their own eye. They're the ones that have the most issues in their life, but yet if they can talk about somebody else, it relieves them because they don't focus on themselves. They're focused on somebody else. But it's time, listen to me, it's time that the church develop a culture, develop an atmosphere where we're not looking around, uh, looking to see what we can find wrong with somebody. We're looking to Jesus and we're in prayer, we're in intercession that whatever the Lord wants to do with that person, the Lord will do it. Because you get critical, you get judgmental over people that are doing things that many of you used to do yourself. And some of you still doing it. But we're not here to judge that. Let the Lord deal with you. Come on, somebody, say amen. So we need an attitude of love in our church, a love for God, but also a love for one another. And create that kind of culture because here's the bottom line, folks. We're all at different levels. We're at different levels spiritually. We grow, uh, but we grow in degrees, okay? So you're not at the level I am. I'm not at the level you are. But the point of the thing that I'm making to you, we can't, we can't clean the fish before we catch them. You know, you're not going to go and just expect, if you go fishing, all you hear, if you go fishing, you don't expect to get out there in that boat and the fish just jump in the boat. Now, it does happen. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, I skip something. But I'm saying that's not the norm. Are you with me? Fish don't just jump in the boat. Fish don't just jump on your hook. You've got to put some bait on the hook. Are you, are you here? So what I'm talking about, Fishing, I'm talking about fishing for souls, fishing for men, 
understanding that if you bring somebody in here or somebody is brought in here or some, every once in a while, thank God, somebody does come in here because of no other reason than through our prayer or they heard about the church or they read the advertisement in the yellow paper, whatever it may be. Every once in a while, you do get people to come into the house of God that, that somebody didn't invite or somebody didn't bring, but that's not the norm. Usually, the people come because somebody got excited about the Lord, got excited about Jesus, and invited somebody to come with them to church. That is still the best method, the fastest way of church growth is that when you get excited about the Lord, you tell somebody else, that rubs off on them, they come in, they get excited, and they tell somebody else. But if they come into a church in an atmosphere where everybody's got their nose stuck up in the air, and they're hearing, you know, Sister Bucketmouth and Brother Gossip Setter over here. And they're hearing all these things. That is not conducive to a house that you would want to come back and feel comfortable in. People need to get free, first of all, where they're in a position or a relaxed mode, if you will. <laughs> like they tell you at the chiropractor office, don't tense up, don't get tight. You know, they go to give you a shot in your rear end, you, you get tight. And that's going to hurt worse when you tighten up. So we need to get people in a relaxed mode. Come on. So that the Holy Spirit, who is gentle, come on, who can go and minister to hearts and lives because it's the Word of God that's going to change us. Okay, are you with me? So everybody say go. Part of our vision is go. I don't think I can simplify it any more simpler than that. And, you know, I did a study. Uh, I, haven't, I don't think I've preached this, but if you study the ministry of Jesus, and I'm talking about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that he ministered to three kinds of people. He ministered to the sinner, those that were in visual or known sin, then he ministered to the children of Israel or the covenant people, the Hebrew people that grew up as Hebrew or Jews. And then he ministered or he spoke to the religious people. Now, here's the thing. Here's what really got my... You go back and when you see Jesus speak to one of these three groups of people, because you need to see how Jesus uh, approached them and how Jesus talked to them. Do you know that when he would come up to uh, his covenant people, people that were raised up in the culture of Judaism or the culture of being a Hebrew, he was kind, he was polite, and he taught them as long as their attitude was, I want to know truth, I want to find out more. He was very kind and so on and so forth. His words were kind. But if you, if you look at this and look at it real close, you go back and check me out on this. You'll find out that he was the hardest. In fact, almost like he would get mad, arrogant at the religious bunch. Now, I know we don't have any religious spirits in this church, but in case we do, I want you to know that Jesus was the toughest and had the hardest things to say to religious people than he did the other group. In fact, you know who he was the kindest and the most compassionate to was the one who were outright in sin. For example, like the woman at the well. 
Did you know he didn't tongue lash her? Did you know he didn't beat her up? Are y'all here? But he would say things to the religious bunch of people. He would say things, you are of your father the devil. You are a brood of vipers. You are a bunch of snakes. You have turned the temple of God into a house of demons. You are evil. Now, how many would come back if that's the way I talk? But I'm trying to point out to you, see, we've got to catch the fish before we try to clean up the fish. Let the Spirit of God work on the imperfections. If you're imperfect today, welcome. <laughs> now, I'm imperfect too. And you know what? Everybody in this room's imperfect. So we have to develop a heart for the house. That's the title of this message today, is developing a heart for the house. This is what the DNA is of our house. Now let's go on because we need to get through this. Now here's the second part because we have three parts. So the go, meaning we go to reach people far from God. When a church decides that the lost souls are the most important thing that they do, listen to me, the church is going to get real messy. Because we are living in a time where people are really messed up. If we expect for them to come into the house, we're going to have to love on those people. We're going to have to develop a culture in here that we have a mandate. Put up the scripture. Let me show you the scripture. So you know what we base Everything that I'm telling you, every part of our vision is Bible-based. If it's not Bible-based, we don't want to do it. Matthew 28, 18. Just put it up there so they can see. What's the first word? Go, right? Say go. Okay. Our job, you can read it. I just wanted to put it up there. Our job is to go to unchurched people so we can tell them that God loves them and God is not holding their sin against them. Paul called us ministers of reconciliation. God's not some big meanie weenie sitting up there just double dog daring you to come down here to the altar and get right and slap you upside the head with a big club. He's here with loving open arms ready to receive you into his family. Now, the question is, now write this down if you're taking notes, okay. I see our job is to live out what we believe, not condemn others because they're not living out what they believe. Okay, I get, the amens get weaker, but I'm, I'm ministering to you. The question is, is why do we do this? You want to write this down? Why do we do what we do? Well, we do it for no other reason than because Jesus said do it. That's it. Why make this thing hard? That's what Jesus said is go out into all the world and make disciples. Okay? So that's part of the go vision. When they come in here, we need to show them who God is. We need to show them not man's version of God, not religious version of God, but who God really is. We show who God is through his word. The height of 
Your perfection is when you can love like God loves. That's when you will become perfect, when you have the perfect love operating in and through you. Somebody say amen. In Luke chapter 14, there's a story you can, I don't want to read all that, but you can go back and read it later just to help me today. There's, um, there's, a, there's a type and shadow parable here that Jesus is giving. And it's about God the Father inviting the multitude into his house for a great supper. Now here's the thing, if you go read this all in context, you'll find out that they begin to make excuses why they can't come. Now here's what I found out. Listen to me just a second and I'll read the scripture. They put up their little premature, but that's all right. Here's what I find out. It's Christians who make the most excuses, not the sinners. <laughs> you, ask, you ask somebody, well, why, why are you not coming to church today? Well, I, I think my knee hurts. Why aren't you coming to church today? Well, uh, I, I, I got a pain in my back. Why aren't you coming to church today? Well, the football game starts at noon. I don't think he's going to let us out on time. You know, excuse, excuse. See, what you find is that a sinner who's hurting, who's in a dilemma, who's in a, is in dire strait, they don't want to make excuse. They may make excuse why they're in what they're in, but they're looking for some, they're looking for some relief. They're looking for something that will give them hope. Our job is to minister hope and restoration to the down and outer so the Spirit of God can pull them up and outer. Are you with me? I'm telling you something today. We've got to get that part of the vision to reach the unchurch people. He said, put it back up there, verse 23. I'll put it before I got there. I'll give you the, when I tell you, then you put it up, okay? He said, then the master, see, they can't, they, it's hard to anticipate me. <laughs> then the master said to the servant, go, say go, there it is again. Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my what? My house may be filled. Now, it's not just about filling the house, but it's about reaching the unchurched, reaching the lost so that they can find the Savior. His name is Jesus. Are you with me? And so our job is to live it before them, not to condemn them, but to have them come in to a place where they're free that they can receive what the Spirit of God wants to do in their life. And that's how it's supposed to work, folks. That's how it's supposed to work. Somebody gets touched, they go home and they tell somebody else and they come and they get touched and they go home. So it's always good when new people come and they get touched by the Lord because you can almost be assured if they really got touched, they're going to be bringing somebody else not too distant future. I mean, it's us, others who get in a rut and think, well, you know, our outreach is over because we've reached everybody and they've told us no so many times. We're not even going to tell them anymore. No, how many know we got to keep telling them? We got to keep living it before them. Okay, so that's the first part. Go. That's part of our vision. Let me let me quickly <laughs> time here. The next part is is grow. Okay, we have to grow in our relationship with God. Part of our vision, see, is to grow the people that come in here up in the things of the Lord. Part of what my job description is is to 
share with you a word from God that will help you grow or mature in God. That's why it's important that you learn to listen, take notes, because you're not going to remember everything. Go back and listen to what we're sharing because we share a lot of things. Sometimes I have to get in a hurry because of time constraint. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something real frank with you this morning. If you're depending on me and the message, now listen, I'm the one that develops and gets these messages together. To me, they're fantastic. I don't know how you feel about them, but I don't depend on my messages to grow me up. And neither should you. If you think I'm going to grow you up and mature you as a Christian, 45 minutes or an hour a week that I have with you, some of you, some of you 45 minutes an hour once a month, you are not going to grow, you are not going to mature. I don't depend on my messages to grow me up and mature me. I expect them to be a part of that. But you see, what I do on Monday, what I do on Tuesday, through my daily reading, through my devotional, see, that's what's going to grow me. Are you here? What I do on Thursday, because Wednesday we have church, but what do I do in between? What I'm saying to you, you can't just think that, oh, if I come to church when I feel like it, because uh, you're not going to grow that way. If you don't grow as a Christian, the enemy is going to pick you off. You're not going to know how to throw up the shield of faith when the fiery darts come at your life. So my job has to balance out, and, I, and I'll talk about that here. I know, I know it sounds harsh, but, but don't just depend on the pastor's message. A lot of people, you know, they do other things, and, I, and that's great. But you're not going to grow going to a concert. You're not going to grow listening to music on the radio. All that's good. I'm not putting that down, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you don't grow that way. You grow by daily intake of the Word. Every one of you in here have to realize the only way you can grow up in the things of God is by taking an intake of the Word. Think about it. Think about it. If you eat only once a month, you're going to be pretty puny if you don't die first. Okay, so there has to be more than just coming in here and sitting. Our job here is to give you opportunity to grow. Now, I'm going to give you a little secret here because I have to motivate you. See, when you walk out of here, part of this, I want you to put up that uh, and, and get this, get this, because I think this, I'm here to help you, okay? Look at me real close. I'm here to help every one of you. I'm not here to waste your time, okay? I haven't been here 30 years just because I don't have anything else better to do. I'm here to help those that will come in here to develop a relationship with God. Now, I have to balance. Now, listen to me. My task, my job is to balance a word that a person who is unchurched or maybe very little time in the Lord and those that have been here for 30 years. But God has graced me to be able to do that. So what I'm saying to you, 
The message has to be able to feed or minister to the unchurch or the carnal believer as well as those that want more of the things of God. Because we don't want to have a people come in here that, okay, they sit in church, but they can't receive because the pastor's too deep. Well, the deep part is for those that have been here a while. The shallow part are for those that are still shallow. Okay? So I have to juggle that or I have to balance that. But let me give you a secret this morning. Would you put up that PowerPoint? I want to show you something here. It's not my idea, but it's a very good idea. It was a pastor who, I don't know if you can read that or not. I, I, didn't, I, I thought of it the last minute. You, this pastor out of Hawaii did this about, I don't know, the year 2000 or something. He came up with this concept. It's Bible. And he even says it's not his original idea, but we'll give him credit for it, okay? Because it's a very simple, straightforward method to help you uh, grow yourself as a Christian. It's called SOAP. S-O-A-P. It's called Soaping Journal. You can go to the bookstore and buy one of those journals, okay? You can download. I've got the, the form. What did I do with it? I got the form here. I brought it this morning because I took it off our website. You can go down and you can download uh, the, the journal, okay? What it does. Now, there may be some of you out here that have a daily reading plan. That's great. I've had people say, well, Pastor, I read a chapter a day. That's great. That's tremendous. I read, you know, people say, well, I read two chapters. That's great. But I'm going to tell you something. Most people don't. Most people who bring a Bible to church throw it in their back seat or put it in a trunk and they don't open it or get it out again until they come to church again. I'm saying that's what most people do. But there's more to Christianity than that. There's more to Christianity than just coming into a church like this. So this is very simple. Come on. SOAP. It's an acronym. SOAP. SOAP. The S stands for Scripture. When you read, it's not how much you can read a day. It's not how many books or chapters you can, you know, digest a day. It's what can you get out of the scripture. If it's one scripture, that's what it says. A scripture, take one scripture that speaks to you in that reading time and write it down in your journal. O stands for observation, okay? In other words, what is this scripture? Because how many believe that God's word is supposed to talk to you? God's word, I can read a scripture for me and it will say something to me. You can read the same scripture, it'll say something to you. So that's the O part. The A is the application because listen, this is what this is about. We're not like a religion, this is a relationship. This is a lifestyle. We come in here to learn how to get our life together, how to get our act together so we can go back out there in the real world and the real world doesn't suck us back into the kingdom of darkness, but we stay true to the word of God because Jesus has given us faith that it can overcome the world. S-O-A and then P, Pray over that scripture that you can use that scripture that it becomes real in your life and that whatever it's revealing to you can show you what you need to know and what you need to have, okay? So you can get those things at the bookstore. I'm just telling you, these are, that's a tremendous way right there to have a daily intake of God's word, okay? Uh, in John, and, and let me just kind of finish this up here. 
in John, you don't have to go there, but when Jesus was finishing up his earthly ministry, they were having a fish fry, you know, on the side of the shore there of Galilee. And Peter came to Jesus and Jesus asked Peter, said, Peter, do you love me? That's in John chapter 21. You can go back and read it later. And uh, you know how Peter responded. He said, yeah, Lord, I love you. He said, well, if you love me, Peter, what? Feed my sheep. But Jesus didn't stop by one time. He asked him again. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. But he didn't stop it two times. He said it the third time. He said, Peter, Simon Borjona, he said, do you love me? He said, God, you know, or Jesus, you know, you know all things. You know I love you. He was getting angry. He was getting put out because Jesus was asking him over and over and over. And he said, if you love me, he said, do me a favor. Go out and feed my people. Now, here's something very interesting, okay? Um, Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. I do want you to see this. Because here's Peter now, years later. Now look what he said. I think this will help you. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 2 and 3. It says, like newborn babies. Say newborn babies. How many has ever had a newborn baby? Now this will speak to you if you've had babies or had little children, infants, okay? He says, you must crave Pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now, here's what this means or what it means to me. If you've ever been around a small infant, a newborn baby, maybe up until the time they're a year old, what do they do about every two hours? They cry. They scream. Why? They're craving milk. Come on. How many of you ever had a baby? Did it stay silent until it was 16? (laughs) Let this scripture speak to you. This newborn baby, he doesn't know how to talk. All he knows is how to cry and whine. You put the bottle or put the in his mouth and feed him a little bit and he gets all jolly and smiling again. Are you with me? (laughs) All he wanted was to eat. And you think, my goodness, in a couple more hours, he's screaming again. What does he want? He wants the bottle. He wants to be fed. Come on, somebody. Well, see, the babies cry because they want something that they don't have. Christians, now listen to this, They cry and whine because of something they need. You didn't hear what I just said. Christians cry and whine because they are not taking uh, intake of the Word of God. Why do Christians get miserable? Why do Christians get disgusted? And why do Christians, you know, get all distraught and down? And, you know, babies, they'll throw tantrums, but so does Christians. They'll get mad. They'll have a bad attitude. They'll beat on their spouse, whatever, you know. It's because they are not taking the intake of God's Word. There's something deficient. There's a malnutrition there in that Christian's life that they're crying and whining because they're not getting what they need. You need to feed on the Word of God. Okay? Now, the last thing here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish all these things up uh, next week, but I, I just, I, I want you to so, because this is the last part of the vision is give. 
We give to glorify God. Now, a lot of you probably sitting out there, what does that mean to glorify God? Well, how many of you today are thankful that Jesus saved you, number one? That you don't have to die and go to an eternal hell because you're going to live forever. So it's a matter of where you're going to live. So you have to, you know, you don't go to hell because you're a sinner. You go to hell because you rejected the one that paid the price for your sin. Okay? So we have to go. We have to reach the unchurched. We have to tell them about Jesus. We have to grow so that we understand that only mature people can develop other people and make disciples and overcome the issues that they face in life. Our, our life has to be a living epistle or a, a letter of God before those that look at our life. Because, you know, as I told somebody the other day, talk is cheap, okay? And I said, how do you say talk is cheap in Spanish? They said, dentes afuera. So <clears throat> y'all can tell me if that's right or not. I'm just telling you that people see our life and they look at how we live it, okay? And then this last part is giving, okay? So how can I give my life to God? Now, this is more than just talking about money, okay? We have to develop a giving culture in our church. This is part of our vision. And you know, I just, I didn't hear not one, not even a weak amen on that one. We have to develop a giving culture in our church because that's the DNA of the heart of God. You're created in the image and likeness of who? Not the devil who's the one who's a thief, who's a robber, who's a destroyer, who's a killer. The DNA in you, you're supposed to have a heart of God. A heart of God for the things that are important to God. The things that are important to Jesus. He went to the cross and paid the price so that you and I could have a relationship with a true and living God. Are you here? So when I talk about this, yeah, it does deal with money, but it has also with us serving God, letting God flow in and through our life to help somebody else. The attitude of a giving culture is say, okay, Lord, you've given me so much. Now, what can I do to reciprocate? How can I give and help somebody else with what you've given to me? Now, let me just give you kind of three things here because how do we give, okay, as I, as I close this? The heart of the giver comes from God, okay? Can you say amen to that? Jesus said where your heart is is where your treasure will be, okay? He didn't call us to be a bunch of stingies whether it's with our money or with our service or with our time, okay? Now, the first one, how do we give, okay? If you're taking notes, just let me give you three things right quick. By serving. If you look around here today, there's a young man over here. You've got a bunch, young man over there. You've got some people in the sound booth. You've got ushers standing back there. You've got people up here in the music. You've got greeters when you come in. You've got people over in the children uh, ministry. You've got youth ministers here. Uh, you've got elders here. Come on, somebody. These are people. Yeah, give them, a, give them thanks. Praise God. Give them thanks. These people are serving in God's house from a servant's heart. Come on up, Emilio. Get on the piano so we can close this thing. And listen to me. Listen. We, part of our vision that we have not completely implemented yet is these connect groups. These are designed so that you 
can share Jesus in your home, in your place of business, or your workplace, or wherever it is. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come, okay? But that's part of our vision. We have some, we have very few, but we have some that have groups and they do these apart from the church and we're going to we're going to give them more guidance we're going to give them more tools so that you can reach people that won't come to church yet okay because if you catch the fish then the spirit of god can clean the fish okay and then the third thing is by giving our money i know it gets quiet when you talk about money but the Lord talks about money a lot because that's why he said where your heart is is where your treasure is. It's the DNA of God to be a giver, not because God needs our money. I mean, no, God does not need our money. He needs your heart. And let me close with this last scripture. Put the last scripture up there in 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me read it to you right quick. Are you with me? Don't check out just yet. I'm a, because... If your heart is messed up concerning money, your heart will be messed up in other areas as well. I've seen people leave church over money. You just heard a nice testimony of our sister here, how God blessed her, got her in a position to bless her. We know the owners of Arturo. We know that they're Christians. So God's got people in place, okay? God wants to bless you of all the people in the earth. We have to position ourselves. We're blessed. As that saying goes, we're blessed to be a blessing. Now look what it says here. You ready? Let's read it. God has given each of you a gift from the great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory, look at that, to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Now what is this saying? Everybody is called to give. Not everybody can give the same. That's understandable. But everybody can give. Your journey has to start with the first step. You can't withhold and expect God to bless. Come on, are you with me? In the next three months, to the end of this year, we're going to use our first Sunday, which is normally Mission Sunday. We're going to use this offering as a heart for the house offering. 10% is going to go to missions. The other is going so that we can do some things in this church after 30 years. The building's been here for about 28 years so that we can enhance the experience that we want to represent here. Every year we, we do something, and most of the time we do it out of the general operations. And this year we have depleted <laughs> 
our general operations, just trying to maintain. And you've heard me say this many times, but let me say it to you one more time. The average church in America, only 18% get involved. That's both giving and in ministry of helps. Volunteers. How many know? See, when we started years ago, people were standing in line to volunteer in the house of God to do something. Now it's like, if you don't pay me or you can't pay, we're not going to do it. See, we've lost in that gap a generation of a heart of servants. Don't shout me down now. I'm just telling you, okay? Because I want you to cheer up here because God loves a cheerful giver. But here's what I'm telling you is that 18%. Now, when we started the church, when the church was smaller, that average for our church was 50% or better. As the church grew and over the years, now we're down into that 18 or 20% category, just like the nation's average. Only 2.4% of American churchgoers. I don't know how it is in Mexico, but in America, only 2.4% tithe in the church. Now something's wrong with that picture. Can you say amen to that? Okay. All I'm saying is, are we going to raise up a generation that doesn't have a heart for the house? Doesn't have a heart for God? Doesn't have a heart for the mission? I think it's very vital, very important that you get a perspective on what your church is about. What we do, the go, reaching the unchurch, grow, because when you come in here, I want to have something that will grow every level of people that are represented in this room. I may receive something this morning. Okay. No, you don't have to clap, but I'm, I'm not doing that to clap at me. I'm just saying, that's my challenge, okay? And, I, and I'm up to that task. And then we have to be givers. We have to be givers. We have to develop the DNA of a giver and let God multiply. Let God add to. And so today, as you, I want you to pray because... October, November the 1st, and December the 1st. We're doing it now because we have some large projects. We want to remodel our, our altar. We want to do some things that create even a, a better atmosphere for worship. It's not that we're competing with the world because we're not competing with the world in that sense. But we are competing with what the enemy and the devil is doing through all of his gold and glitter. And that's sucking away our younger generation and causing them not to develop and have a heart for God. The most young people, they hardly even come to church. If they come to church, they tune the pastor out. They go to sleep. <laughs> they, they could care less. Why? We've got to get back to having a vision so that we don't cast